Well, hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Good to see you again, and welcome back to Your Money and a Cup of Joe. I'm Ryan Ruff, your moderator, but as always, I'm joined by Joe Kaleo of the Kaleo Wealth Management Group, and we're going to be unpacking yet another wealth management topic, as we like to do here on the show today. And look, uh, selling a business, that is a big process, as you've probably heard us mention in prior episodes. I mean, look, you've worked to build this business up for years, maybe even decades, so naturally, there are an enormous number of considerations at you know on the table when it comes to selling your business not the least of which is easing that tax burden that accompanies a big sale so today joe and i thought we'd zoom in on this idea of four different ways that you can ease the tax bite when you're selling your business. So we're gonna be examining just what business owners can be doing in this process and uh, ultimately mitigating those taxes that accompany the sale. So with that, let's go ahead and dive right in. Joe, good to see you today, how you doing? Ryan, doing great, good to see you. Glad to talk about this topic. This is an exciting topic and it's one we get asked about a lot. So we're excited to talk about it. Of course. And, you know, Joe, tax related issues and concerns are pretty top of mind for a lot of business owners out there, uh, especially when it comes to selling their company. So why don't you just kind of open up today's discussion with your high level thoughts and then we'll we'll dig into it. Yeah, Ryan, there are definitely differences in goals and methods and, and way the business owners want to attack not only how they sell their business, but how they want to mitigate taxes. And I think we can all agree people want to reduce how they pay their taxes however they can. It's just some of the strategies that they can do it. And it's especially important when they're selling their companies, when they're walking away and often getting the biggest payday of their lives, right? So there are numerous strategies, and that's good because then they've got options that can help them mitigate the taxes on the sale of their company. That said, laws and rules and regulations governing the sale of such strategies can certainly shift, and they often do with different political wins. So it pays to stay on top of tax-related developments when it comes to selling your business, as well as in tax law changes, not only today, but in the future, and what strategy makes sense for you. Of course. All right. So the title of our episode today, folks, four ways that you can you know, ease that tax bite. Joe, why don't you open it up for us? What's, uh, what's, what's way number one or method number one? Yeah, diving into it, first approach is transferring assets regularly over time, right? Let's say you have heirs who are going to be in the business or even just heirs in general who want to own the business and they'll essentially take over whether they're actively involved or passively involved. Well, transferring stock over time is one such method. And let's take note, Ryan, that in 2024, the estimated gifting amounts, if you're single, are 18000 and if you're a married couple, 36000 So those numbers have gone up another $1,000 per gifting person. The giving annual amounts on such gifting, right, it's unlikely that this approach is going to enable you to transfer the full amount of ownership to one or more heirs, but at least gets the ball rolling on tax mitigation, and it is pretty straightforward. No, it's good to hear, Joe. All right, so transferring that over time, method number one, let's get into number two. What do you have for us? How about the installment approach, the installment sale? So selling your business may very well result in a profit that bumps you into a higher income tax bracket than usual. And that, of course, could mean a significantly larger tax bill than what you expect or even want. So to avoid that outcome, you could consider agreeing to be paid over time by the buyer in regular installments instead of a one-time transaction. After getting an upfront payment, you'd receive the remaining sale proceeds 
with interest over annual installments. And this approach could spread your tax bill out over a period of time. Now, hearing that in terms of the the time consideration there, Joe, I, I'm no expert here, but I would imagine the the time constraints or maybe lack thereof when you spread it out over time might open that strategy up for a little bit of risk. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, there are a couple of things here, Ryan, to be aware of. So absolutely, there are risks. The length of the installment period can be negotiated between you and the seller, right, or essentially the buyer. You obviously, though, the longer the term, the greater the risk you incur because you're being paid over time rather than all at once at the sale. So you're relying heavily on the new owner or the buyer or the buying team. If he or she runs the company into the ground or private equity does, you may end up with far less money than you expected. Another risk to consider is that the installment sale option is one that often is closely watched due in part to frequent proposed legislative changes, especially, say, involving capital gains taxes. One proposal, for example, has been debated, which could increase the top long-term capital gains tax rates for households with income of more than a million dollars. Now, that might seem like it's an awful big bogey to hit, and it is. But by one estimate, just $539,000 of an income tax return were filed in 2019, with 2018 adjusted income of more than a million dollars. So it is possible for business owners to hit it in the year they sell their companies. So you can see that that strategy has its pros and cons. But let me add one more component to this on the second one. Oftentimes, the buyer is going to agree with you on the initial number, but then find reasons to whittle it down, either at closing or find ways to whittle it down on the post-sale payout. So that's why you want to be mindful that you're trusting that buyer to do what he or she or they said that they would do, and they're not forcing debt, say, for example, on top of your company that you didn't have before. Mm -hmm. No, that's a great consideration. I'm glad we uh, double-clicked into that one, Joe. Uh, prior to recording, Joe, you had mentioned one of these strategies to me uh, in saying that it was surrounding this idea of opportunity zones. Let's get into method number three. What do you have for us uh, by way of opportunity zones? Opportunity zones are kind of unique, Ryan. You could reinvest some or all of your proceeds into an opportunity zone fund. So stepping back a bit, an opportunity zone is a federally categorized area of the country. Usually, historically, it's been depressed, lower levels of economic growth, higher levels of poverty, things of that nature. So a qualified opportunity zone fund are investment vehicles that invest in properties and businesses located in these zones and are designed to help spark economic growth and jobs in these communities. The IRS offers significant tax advantages to help motivate investors to allocate money to these funds. So for example, if you sell your business and reinvest some or all of the proceeds in a qualified opportunity zone fund within 180 days of generating a capital gain from the sale, you can defer paying taxes on that gain. In general, exceptions exist, the deferral lasts until December 31 of 2026, at which time the amount of the deferred gain that you invested in the fund becomes taxable. Also though, maintain your qualifying investment for more than 10 years, its tax basis steps up to its fair market value as of the date you sell it. 
So in short, your investment appreciates tax-free and you won't pay any capital gains tax on the appreciation when you sell it. So that's important. Keep in mind, Ryan, though, there, there are lots of rules and complexities with qualified opportunity zone funds. They are receiving scrutiny from lawmakers in Washington, D.C., who are examining, examining whether the zones are working as intended. We'll see what comes out of Washington on that one. All right. Good to know there with Opportunity Zones. Joe, uh, bring it home for us. What is our fourth and final uh, you know, mitigation tax-wise opportunity when somebody sells a business? Yeah, charitable remainder trusts. So if you want to reduce both your tax bill when you're selling and have a philanthropic impact by financially supporting the cause you care about, you may be well served by using a charitable remainder trust or CRT. The approach for it calls for irrevocably gifting some or all of your business to a CRT. It's created one or more charitable organizations. So the TRT, CRT, can sell the business interests without incurring capital gains taxes. Hey, big plus, right? So you have to think about it. It's in addition to you receiving an income tax deduction in the year you transfer the business assets to that CRT. The size of that charitable deduction could potentially total tens of thousands of dollars, depending upon the value of the business interests that are being transferred. Also impacts your age, your adjusted gross income, and the allowable deduction is limited to 30% of your adjusted gross income, with excess amounts carried forward for five years, and there are some other factors. So it does get a little bit complicated but it all, it's all part of what we're thinking about when we're putting this in line. Sure. And Joe, you and I have touched on charitable remainder trusts or CRTs in, in, in prior conversations. So correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't there an income component going on with those as well? That's right. Great remembrance here, Ryan. Good job. So a CRT would pay you an annual income stream for the rest of your life, or if it's set up for a certain number of years. The way the payment is determined depends on the type of CRT structure used. But chances are that most of the annual income coming from a CRT that you funded with business interest would be taxed as a long-term capital gain, which currently is taxed at a lower rate than ordinary income. Ultimately, the remainder amount in the trust would then go to a charity of your choice. Keep in mind though, you can't get back the business interest you transfer into the CRT. It's irrevocable. So be sure that the char the charitable giving is a key goal before going down this route. Of course. And Joe, kind of going back to the, the top of our conversation, look, selling a business has enormous considerations. The tax mitigation element just being one of many. So given that there are a lot of different tax mitigation strategies out there, in your eyes, how might a business owner navigate and ultimately decide which of these strategies makes the most sense for them and their business. Yeah, Ryan, I think, right, there are many factors that go into the evaluation and decision-making process. And, and you take these four strategies that we talked about today, and they represent just a portion of tax mitigation solutions that are available. So your best bet is to reach out to your trusted advisors to both review the full range of tax mitigation resources that are available, as well as get updated on the latest developments impacting a particular solution. And make sure that nothing has changed for the business owner, even if they're selling now or in two years. It's something that you want to be very forward thinking because sometimes these do have long range plans implications. 
Sure. Sometimes that little thing called life gets in the way, right? So, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Joe, speaking of which, and having those conversations with your team, I know you guys have these types of conversations with your clients that are business owners. What is the best way, you know, anybody in the audience that, that is, uh, let's say, you know, kind of sparked by today's conversation, what's the best way they could uh, reach out to you guys and open up a conversation of their own regarding their business? Yeah, Ryan, I'd say give us a call, shoot us an email. We were actually having a conversation with a business owner right before we came to record this session. And sure enough, he's thinking about selling in two to five years. And so having these conversations well before decision-making day is a good thing. We're happy to do it. It doesn't cost anything. Happy to have the conversation and and just see, even if you need just a second opinion service, we're happy to provide that as well. Fantastic. Well, hey, Joe, I know you're a busy guy and you've got other clients to serve, so we'll let you get back to doing that. But uh, thanks for jumping on today and uh, I'll see you on the next one. Sounds great. Cheers. Cheers indeed, Joe. And hey, look, folks, we're going to take one final moment as we typically do. And thank you all for stopping by and being aboard the show today. If you did take anything away from today's discussion surrounding these different tax mitigation strategies for selling your business uh, and you benefited from the show, make sure you hit that subscribe button on the platform you checked us out on today so that you don't miss out on some great conversations just like these. You know, at the end of the day, Joe and I are just breaking down some of the same conversations he's having with clients on a regular basis and bringing them to you guys on this platform. So by subscribing, you won't miss out on some of those good uh, good conversations full of insight. Before Joe, I'm Ryan. We're going to go ahead and say so long today, but we appreciate you stopping by and being with us on Your Money and a Cup of Joe. This presentation is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as investment advice or the basis for making any investment decisions. The views and opinions expressed may not be those of UBS Financial Services Incorporated. UBS Financial Services Incorporated does not verify and does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the information presented. This material is made available for use by CEG. Neither UBS Financial Services Incorporated nor any of its employees provide tax or legal advice. You should consult with your personal tax or legal advisor regarding your personal circumstances. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services Incorporated offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC registered broker dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services Incorporated is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA, member SIPC. Joe Kaleo at Kaleo Wealth Management Group, UBS Financial Services Incorporated. Office address 200 West Highway 6, Suite 400 in Waco, Texas, 76712.